What's going on, everybody? I know you see a new face here. We'll get the intros here in a second. This is the Bear With Us podcast. I am your boy, Frank. Joined with me is Nas. And, you know, simply put, I was, uh, you know, everything going on around the world and in America, I figured it was time for a white man to lose his job for once. You know, so <laughs> I, I got the homie Nas in. He's here permanently. I kid. It was supposed to be us three. Jack's got some things going on. Um, so me and Nas are, are, are manning the fort for today's episode. Nas, I feel like the last, I mean, the last time you were here, I think we just shat on Bulls basketball for like an hour and a half. How's everything been since then? Yeah, I think you shat on Bulls <laughs> basketball for like an hour and a half. And I was just like, oh, yeah, let me push back on that. Uh, you know, it's not bad, uh, but it's been miserable since. So everything <laughs> you said was correct. And uh, yeah, we're still the same old Bulls. It's, it's been great. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like the Bears are much are much better. Uh, I would even argue at right now, and I even hate that I'm saying this, it feels to me, granted the NBA is a little bit earlier in their season, the NBA feels like a little bit better of a product right now. The NFL is a struggle league right now. I mean, it's it's every team is weird. Yeah, I was uh, I was just chatting with a buddy the other day. He's just like, it, it's hard to watch like some of the some of the quarterback play, some of the poor tackling that's still happening. Like usually midseason, you think that stuff like will get cleaned up really hasn't and no. uh yeah it's it's been a tough watch i almost i almost wonder i don't think the league would ever institute anything like this and i know this wasn't on our docket but i am curious of your take because it's something that i thought about as this season has gone on and really as like what you just mentioned has lingered more and more into seasons the last like five years usually it's like week one or two okay sloppy football now we're in it it's we're, we're week what eight or not whatever it is ten and it's still happening um i wonder how the league overall, whether that's ownership or who, you know, front offices are going to adjust to that. Cause I, I think what that is, is, is one, obviously it's the preseason. It's the, the OTAs aren't as physical. I, I get all that. But as soon as an OC has any remnants of capability at his job, he's gone. And that, that, that lack of continuity with teams on both sides of the ball, really, because DCs are the same way. If they're a dominant, you know, a uh, coordinator, they're going to get a head coaching job that very next year. And it's like, at, at what point does that stop? And like, or or, or how, it won't stop. But how how can the league counteract that? Like, do do you have any any ideas or thoughts that come to mind? Uh, this feels like an existential question. Yeah. Um, I mean the turn the turnover rate in front offices and coaching is just it's just absurd. Um, in my opinion, the best decision making franchises in any sport have less people making the overall decisions. I think there's just, there's too many people in the room that leads to in, indecisiveness. It leads to anxiety when there's like a lack of performance and then you get impulsive moves made and it always just magically happens. It's like, man, that guy has been the GM there for four years. How long did he last there? It's like, and then you turn around like, well, that guy's only got two years at, at the gig. Like that doesn't make any sense. That's a really short run. How's he supposed to install anything? Like, you always feel like you're saying something along those lines when someone's losing their job. And I think a lot of it is because there's too many voices in the room impacting what's happening on the field. I think that's opinion. fair. I think that's fair. And that also leads me to something that isn't on the docket. I, I want to get a frustration off my chest when it comes to uh, Matt Eberflus. Um, because what you just said, I, I, I was reading this sort of thread and it's thoughts that we've talked about. So some of it will be a tad bit repetitive, but... Um, 
it's such a weird thing when a coach feels like they're going to lose their job or when they know they're going to lose their job that they start to lean on veterans. And we're seeing that already with Eberflus. He's a defensive guy, so he's going to lean on his defense. He's going to want to show at the end of the year, hey, we improved here, here, and there. Stats were, you know, we were giving up less points, yada, yada, yada. Um, but we're seeing it on the defensive line with Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens. And it's like, dude, playing Justin Jones for 80% of the snaps, and, and for as much as I like Andrew Billings, I want him to get his reps as well, but it's like, Get these young kids in here. You keep your job by showing you can develop young talent. Like that that's how that's how you stay. And and you you leaning on vets to get you to squeeze out that extra fifth win isn't going to get you anywhere. Like what is the disconnect with with these coaches that that do that? It's so strange to me. Specifically with the Bears, I I am I'm, I'm confused because it feels like Flus pushed for that sweat trade. Like get me veterans so I can run my stuff. Get me. I, I need to be able to run my system. I need a player in here. And that so it, it actually made me think more about just the bull, the Bears in general. It made me think Poles must be feeling some heat too. For him to make that trade, he is feeling like his job is also at risk. And I just, it's almost it's the they gotta what they really need to do is assign what each person's role is for is Paul's job to help add talent throughout the season, but also ultimately plan for the future development of the team. And then is Flus, what's his job? Are we in a win now situation or are we developing players? I, it feels like there's nothing concrete instilled in either of their roles. And then it leaves us in flux is kind of how I'm seeing it. It doesn't seem like there's a clear vision of where this team's going. Yeah, and you know where I think it stems from, and not to go down this road, because we we have a, a decent amount to talk about today, but I, I think that's what you get when you have an organization that does everything out of order. They started the coaching interviews first, they had the final three or five, whoever reports you believe, then they bring in the GMs who were to interview those three or five, they pick polls, who then picks the coach, and after a year of polls being here, they say, oh, it's actually not... Uh, George McCaskey, that's your boss. Here's the new president. And it's like, you that, that was like the most out of order it can be. You started from the bottom up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of couldn't believe it. And then we have people like Bill Polian and, and Tony Dungy in on the hiring committee who we could hire the biggest piece of shit. And it really is no skin off their back. They're, they're just being paid to be consulted and then they're out the door. Oh, and what are the odds? They recommended someone who runs a Tampa 2 from Indianapolis? Yeah. Oh my God. I just, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, okay. Let's, let's move on. Cause one thing you did bring up was, um, the Montez sweat trade. And to be honest with you, I, 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 I don't know if I agree or disagree with your take, but that is a good take. I, I, I hadn't thought about that prior that that may be polls also feeling a little bit of heat. Um, generally speaking, what were your thoughts when the trade went down let, let, let's let's add in the extension as well, because I think part of people's frustration was like, how the fuck didn't you have the extension? We've come to find out Washington wasn't playing ball. It is what it is. Extensions here, second round pick. What is it? 72 million guaranteed over four. What were the thoughts? Uh, my my, I had a lot of thoughts, to be honest. I got to say the second round pick for the second year in a row, that kind of that kind of cut deep. <laughs> uh it felt very unnecessary because in my opinion, despite the guarantee, the guaranteed money, you look at it, it's over a four year deal. This guy's in the prime of his career. He's probably going to play out this contract. So I think in, 
typically when you look at NFL contracts, you're like, you're only looking at the guaranteed money. Cause you know, those players usually don't last sweat is going to probably last through this four year deal. So when you look at that total number, it's really 98. So we're looking at 25 or 24 and some change a year for a guy who has 31 sacks in five years or four and a half seasons, I guess. And we also traded a very valuable asset for that. I think the 98 mil 72 guaranteed is an overpay. I think it's something you can achieve in the off season. Um, Yeah. You're bidding against others, but I don't think he's getting that number. I think we end up getting him. If that's what the negotiation comes down to, I think we end up signing him and you always overpay in free agency. I don't really care about overpaying, paying a free agency. We have the money. Let's use it on a player that we think is going to impact the team. The second round pick. I mean, Frank, how many times have you seen picks that are second through that are second rounders through six rounders that end up being starters by the end of their rookie year? Like it's countless numbers of dudes. So you're saying we're going to trade a potential starter on a rookie deal that's limited and how like it's not a first round pick where their scale is a little bit more expensive. We're paying for someone on the cheap and we just throw that away for the second year in a row. And it's going to be a top end second rounder. So this could be someone who has a first round grade in a lot of, in a lot of franchises as boardrooms. So yeah, I'm not happy about it. It's nothing against sweat. I think he's a good player. I really do. Um, And I think he'll, he'll have some, he'll have some splash plays. Um, I do think he lacks a little bit of discipline. Um, and I thought all of those guys on the commander state, I was even surprised <laughs> that chase, that chase young went for a third rounder. But then I found out that third rounder that the Niners gave up was a compensatory. So it really wasn't even theirs. So they gave up a third round pick that they weren't even thinking they real. it didn't really feel like theirs anyways. So they just got them for free and they added depth. They traded for Randy Gregory there, but this feels like that's a contender move. We're trying to build towards something and again, no problem with paying somebody, you know, he's a good player and you, you know, but it, it just feels like that second rounder after the Claypool deal, it's feeling like polls is trying to erase all the goodwill that he got out of that Carolina deal. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't, I didn't mind it. I don't hate your take because I, I, at the end of the day, it's going to be a hindsight thing, right? Like if he balls out, if he, if he's getting paid that 24 guaranteed I mean, because guys like Bosa, guys like Garrett, these guys are in the 30s. Like, that's elite, elite money. He's not making elite money just for the sake of argument. I don't, I don't think this is going to happen. What I'm He's saying is... He's never had 10-plus sacks in right. a season. No, 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 for sure. But what I'm saying is, let's just say the system was holding him. But whatever whatever was happening in Washington, coaching was poor. I mean, cause, because because he, him and Chase were both, uh, you know, you let the reporters tell it there. They were saying, like, they both went rogue a lot to try to try to do things. That, to me, is more of a coaching thing versus player thing um so let's just say he i mean four years of 12 plus sacks you're, you're talking about a discount you're talking about a possible holding so again i'm not saying that is going to happen but it, it, th- that is going to be predicated on looking back at, at how well you know ryan poles scouted him thought about him coming out thought he could fit in this or another defense um the one thing i do like it's something that jack brought up last week is um He's played both in a 3-4 and a 4-3. So with him being the biggest investment as it stands on the defense, we're not tied to 
this 4-3 if we decide to move on from Eberflus next year, which is a, a big plus. But I don't hate it at all. Um, the I thought he played well as well. He had four, three or four quarterback pressures in, in, in pretty limited time. Um, he he had a couple where he was just chasing down. I mean, he 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 the hustle was nice to see. It's unfortunate that our linebackers couldn't make the play, but it, it was good to see him playing hard. Um, Nas, I was I told you pre you know pre prep going in that I, I had a take on this because I I I I paid closely attention to him while I was watching the game, but then after the fact, I watched some all twenty two. I watched uh, there's a, a couple Twitter accounts that put like here are all the Montez sweat plays and, and watch them and. I didn't see not only from him because I watched it three or four times to watch the other the interior guys, but then also in Gakley when he was on the outside and Walker when he was on the outside. There was zero, and, and I need to go back and do this for almost every game now to make this theory like complete. But there was zero stunts. There were zero even like inside swim moves to go around. And I, I sort of hearken back to when they first hired Eberflus. The two things he said were the most important thing is the three technique, which you want that in any defense. You you get interior pressure, you're fucking money, right? So there's no, I understand why it's important, but for him, that's the premier. That is like, I need you to be Tommy Harris to never get hurt in your prime. That's what I need you to be. Warren Sapp type of thing. Um, And with that in mind, I watched the way that defensive ends were playing and like they're, they're, it looks like they're being coached to only set the edge. It doesn't look like they're being coached to actually get the quarterback. And because even like you're not sending any a gap blitzes to, to to set that like set that edge and and make the guards make a choice. It's just this weird bland like let's let's let the the defensive ends be as wide as possible to make the quarterback either step up into this pressure that we're supposed to get from you know Justin Jones or Andrew Billings, uh, or we're just setting the edge so. A mobile quarterback can't run on the uh, on us, which makes me like it. Sort of brings to to your point of, you know, they need to sort of decide why decisions are being made and what's happening. Because if that truly is the case, what what I'm saying, Pole is trading for a defensive end. There's a disconnect between him and Eberflus because Montez Sweat is a good player. Again, we, you can debate if he's a lead or not. That, that that's that's besides the point. But if you're gonna use him in that manner. He's not going to make any sort of impact, and the same, and, and I, and it also I should have prefaced and said last week, what I was saying was a big reflection of the coaches has been Yannick Ngakwe is a nine eight nine plus sack a year. You can he's a renegade. You throw him anywhere, he does it. He he doesn't just all of a sudden not know how to get to the quarterback. That's fucking absurd to me. And and so what I said last week was, and it's why I paid special attention going into this uh, this past game was it, this is going to be the biggest indictment to me, the biggest red flag. Moving forward, if Montez Sweat just all of a sudden looks ordinary, because because again he may not be elite, but he's never just been ordinary. And watching those snaps, they don't do. I mean, there's no, they don't even, they're not even having them do like swim moves to the inside, spin moves to get inside. It's all just go out and stay out. And if you can get, you can get around the left or right tackle, then you can get there. But like it, it's so bland and ugly. Like I, I I was very upset watching that tape back. Uh, this is actually making me feel intrigued to go back and watch. I wonder, I'm wondering if, uh, how much of it is that bend, but don't break mentality. Try to kill us by a thousand cuts. Uh, Tampa two style, the way Flus has been brought up to coach. I'm wondering if that's trying, if that's him impacting it a little bit. Um, thinking, Okay, if we play this discipline and never give up a huge play, we set the edge. Nothing big ever happens. Also, I think what happens with that in a complimentary way, I can maybe see a coach talking himself into, well, 
if we play this way, we actually shorten the game because then the ball's moving, the clock, the clock's running. If we shorten the game, that actually enhances our our opportunity to actually win it. I guess. Yeah. That's like, I mean that, uh, the, the way, uh, you bringing that point up, I'm intrigued to look back and to see maybe, maybe there is something to that. Um, and maybe a reasoning for, maybe that's the reasoning for it. I, I, flu, a uh, flus for him to be, uh, man, I <laughs> just, uh, this guy, I would say there's a definite disconnect between the two right now. I, I'm not really sure what flus thinks he can accomplish by having them rush that way. I, I, the, the team needs to start making more splash plays uh, period. Yep. We need to get the ball in more opportunist opportunistic uh, situations with better field position. Uh, if that's the way that they're being coached to rush, that's not the, I don't think that's a recipe for success. No, I, I, I totally agree. And it's one of those things where, you know, going into this season, what me and Jack had said about this defense was there's still some pieces away on the defensive line. I, we, I love what they did at linebacker. I think they're solidified there. First of all, they, they may have fucked up paying. I, I liked I liked the Edmonds signing, but Jack Sanborn is a fucking baller. I, I don't care what defense they switch to. He needs to be starting. He can play. Um, that, that, that was a bit of a tangent. But we, we thought this, if Flus was good at his job, we thought this could have been the recipe for like a 2014-2015 Vic Fangio type of thing where they were still like Aaron Lynch was your, you know, Pernell McPhee were there. They're sort of the lingerings of that. But the the corners and the safeties were so good in coverage that they were getting coverage sacks. Um, so we thought if he's if he knows what he's doing, that's what we can get. But it, again, going back to, and I could be wrong. So I want to preface that and say I, I could be dead wrong on, on that. I don't know how they're being coached, but it looks that way. If they're playing that way, it doesn't matter how good your coverage is. You're giving a quarterback seven seconds to throw. Like, you know, it, it's, it, it's fucking no wonder why Dinkin and Duncan and all these screens and shit work and these practices are great. And Justin looks good because he's playing this defense. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. So, um, yeah, it's it's. It, it, you're, I'm starting to just piece together certain things because we looked back and we saw even like Sean Desai when he was here a couple of years. I, it was the year after they had let go Chuck Pagano. He it was still a very similar thing to what Vic Fangio ran and even to what um, uh, Pagano was doing. It was just there was more aggression to it. There was more stunts. There was more confusion. It seemed like there was more things to do post snap. And it's like Eberflu. I don't think there's anything like if they if they line up single high safety, they're staying single high safety. Like I, I'm not having to see. It looks like quarterbacks are, are able to diagnose pre-snap what they have to do, and that's it. They're done. They're good to go. Feels like the opposite of a hits principle team. <laughs> don't you think? I mean, instead of being overly aggressive and trying new ways to attack another team and confuse them, we're, we're trying to like lull them to sleep. I don't. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, same. It, it's been, I, I mean, it, it's, it's especially confusing because corner blitzes have worked when they've been drawn up this season. Um, TJ Edwards has gotten some quarterback pressures, uh, pressures on blitzes. Uh, Edmonds has gotten some some picks off of tip balls when you're getting pressure. Like, just be more aggressive. And, and again, like, I, you, you look at what's happening even with Minnesota's defense. They, they've still given up some some big big gains and, and big play, but that you you have to have some risk. You have to have some skin in the game to make this thing happen. You, you what you talked about is what Jack's biggest fear is when we first hired Flus. Is like, is this going to be the shell cover two that's you die by a, a thousand paper cuts versus just being stabbed in the heart? That hurts more. 
Get me out of there yeah. quick if that's going to be the case, if you're just outman. But you're never going to beat good teams or even like above average or average teams playing that way. You'll beat the bad one. That's why we, we beat the Raiders. Because you can just out-execute them. It's not just about that when it comes to the really good. And we saw that against New Orleans and we saw that against the Chargers now. Yeah, I mean, I get. I guess if you have a really young team playing that way, it might be like a floor raiser. It's like, okay, we can't get blown out if we play this style of football. But then again, like there's a disconnect. So what's the goal of this team? What are we actually trying to accomplish? Um, I, I'm always going to be in favor of producing pressure in any way you can. Um, and if the front four aren't doing it, get creative and do what you need to do. And let's, let's like, uh, isn't Tampa too? Like, don't we want to take away the ball, like on some level and force some quarterbacks into mistakes? Like how many elite blitz beaters have we played against this season besides Mahomes? I mean, it, it can't be that long a list. It really can't be. So I, I don't really see, I don't really see why being conservative from a defensive play calling would suit this team in any way. And like, let's get them to play fast. Yep. Like I, I don't really want the, especially a young D line to be sitting there. And, and forced to think too much. Like, let's get them moving, reacting, put some pressure and see what happens. I mean, at least try something new. We got a half a season left. Let's see if we could play that. Like what, what's the harm in seeing if we could play that way. And if you, if it ends up looking good, it can help our buddy flus. It, it see, but that, and that, that's where I'm at a disconnect. And I think it's a good segue into the Tyson Bajan conversation, just about sort of how he played and, and what we want for the rest of the year. But I, I feel the same exact way about Bajan that I do about any sort of adjustments on the defense. I have this feeling, Nas, because our schedule moving forward is not all that hard. Like, you can squint and they can win three or four more games. And it's not because the Bears are good. It's because the opposition is bad. Um, let's say Flus makes some of these adjustments. He plays more aggressive and he does his thing because his back's against the wall. He's trying to save his job. You know, that means we're probably going to bring him back for another year. And, and this was the conversation that I had, and, and I, I, I don't want that. Like, that that's part of my problem. This was the conversation that I had um, a few weeks ago uh, with Jack after Bajan got uh, his first NFL win and with a few friends. And, and, like, their take on it with me was, like, just say you hate Bajan. It's like, no, I think he's a really good backup. I do. Like, you you find an undrafted guy on that cheap to plug in for a game or two, that's phenomenal. That That's that's a diamond in the rough. As a starter, I, like, I was just like, how bears is it that this guy comes in backs into like four wins and then everyone's like oh even if we had the number one this this would be the cherry on top to be like oh, caleb what no let's trade it we have tyson bajan like he's gonna come <laughs> like he's our saving grace and then he just goes along and, and you know is a bum for the rest of his career um so like that's so that was my take with bajan is like i would like for him to play well enough to get the fans going and and you know maybe get a win um but prove that he's a good backup but I can't have him be good enough to get us out of the number one sweepstakes. I want to. I, I want to be there, even if that ultimately means like Justin comes back and he proves that he's a guy. Then we get another fucking DJ Moore type of haul. Like either way, I want to be there. You get what I'm saying? Like I, I, I'm not at the point where I'm necessarily ready to move on from Fields. Like that conversation we can delay. But just the, if you're there now, the world's in your hands again. Whether that means Caleb and trade Justin for a two and a three, whatever it would be, or getting another fucking haul. Like we, we can't have that. We can't have that happen. All that saying, or all that said, Nas, um, not only isolating it to this week, what have been your thoughts on Bajan just generally? Um, I think he's got pretty good instincts. 
you can tell he has played a lot of quarterback in his life. He's really calm in the pocket. Now, based on how our offensive line has been playing, maybe not, maybe, maybe have a little more sense of urgency. Um, he's gotten fooled on some coverage stuff. I, I honestly have like of the four or five picks that he's thrown, I would say one was really because of arm talent. And then the other ones, he's getting fooled. And the arm, the arm talent's a concern. I think it's like, okay, this is what your prototypical backup would look like. The more, the more he's in the league, the better he's going to be at that particular role. But the only way this guy were to ever like be a legit starter is if he's got Kyle Shanahan. That's like literally the only, the only success story I see if that guy's going to be a starter in the league. And that, there's nothing wrong with that. I like him a lot. I love the vibe he get. The guys like to play with him, like love everything about him. But he, I mean, he ain't it. He's a he's a backup, and that's cool and good for them. Uh, Getsy saw him at the Senior Bowl, and here we are. That's great. Great pickup. I totally agree, and I I think we we have almost the same take, but I, I my, my framing of it is a little bit different. I remember we were texting about it, and I think we ultimately agreed, but it's like. You're, you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong that he's been fooled and he's been late on throws, but like that to me is where the arm talent, like, uh, what is it? It's like, it's, it's highlighted. It's, it's, it's like really exposed because he has to be so perfect on some of these timing routes where, and, and the, the other thing too, that someone brought, I wish, I wish I would have screenshotted it and to give them their Twitter credit, but someone did say this. It's not my take, um, that it seems like, because both quarterbacks are vastly different, Right. Um, but it seems like they're being coached, and I'm not. That's not to, to cape for Justin. I know he has anticipation throw problems, just generally speaking. But, but the, everything else, when you see the way that Bajan processes, he is also a see it and throw it guy. But that doesn't fit in with the way I see him go through his reads and such. He has made some ante- anticipatory throw. I mean, but so has Justin over the last four years. I don't think that makes them good anticipatory throwers. But it's like. I, I wonder, I don't know you, you, I don't know if you'd ever actually be able to get to it, but like what the percentage of that is them or is that the way that Getsy is, is coaching things? And, and I, the, the light bulb went off for me, Nas, to finish the original point because that one throw when you were like, ah, I don't know if that was arm talent. I, I, it was the first or second pick. I, he, he felt late. And I was like, that's sort of my point too, though. It was like, you're right. He, he was late, but like Jay Cutler gets that in there and at least gives his receiver a shot because he has a strong arm. You know what I mean? It still could uh, yeah. be picked because you're late, of course. Like the D- DBs can make a good play on the ball, but like there was, the receiver had no shot at all. That's like right. Yeah, it, yeah. it was it was such a slow ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. You watch that ball come out of hands, out of his hands. It's not exploding. So exactly. it's like he has got. It, it's like old Peyton Manning. You got to throw it before that guy gets out of the break, and when he turns around, it's sitting there waiting for him. Sort of throw. That's the way Bajan's got to be, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um. And I honestly, I mean, this, we're not going to talk about Jay Cutler too much, but to Jay, to Jay's credit, like he, he would, he was a better, he was a good anticipate, anticipate, I can't say the word. He could anticipate throws pretty well, um, but he just trusted his arm a little too much. Like, yeah. okay, I know this guy's going to be there and I don't care that there's going to be three around him. <laughs> I'm fitting this ball in and he would throw it on time but sometimes there would just be a dude in our in his way like no big deal sometimes D'Angelo <laughs> Hall was there four times that's all that's <laughs> oh man oh jesus oh, um so let, let's let's sort of shift the conversation then cuz I, I i think i i'm also glad that most now that there's been 
a few starts for Bajan that most people have come to their senses and they're like, look, this guy just isn't a starter. He's fun. It's great when he's in there. It's it's going to be a fun watch just because of the you know his lack of physical talent um, and what he has to do to to try to succeed at this level. Um, I, that obviously means that me and you are ready for Fields to come back when he's when when the thumb is ready when he's good to go. Um, and I, I don't even think we bother in like talking about the differences. They're vastly different quarterbacks. We know that. That being said, I do think. The, first of all, the halftime show this past Sunday was fucking absurd. They were talking about Tyson Bajan like he was fucking Joe Montana. Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. Time out. That first half, he was solid. He was. He was, he was solid. That was like for a, being a rookie from a D2 school to play that complete of a half. It was really impressive. It was really impressive. And then the D2 in him came out in that second half. And to Dennis Allen's credit, like they made the adjustments they needed to make. But that first half was probably the most solid half of football we've seen a quarterback play this year against that level defense, in my opinion. That's the best defense we've played. I don't disagree with the take. And I'll even further that and say the three games, given the context, he has been awesome. But for them them to talk, like they were just witnessing what C.J. Stroud did last week was a little mind-boggling to me. And, and it, it really does make me lean into the theory that these coaches are talking to to production teams when they're in these meetings and, like, kind of throwing Justin under the bus, which makes me, before before we talk about, like, what we potentially could see from Justin the rest of the year, uh, assuming he starts this Thursday, um, the a quote came out today, actually, from Lou Getze, and they asked him, like, yeah, like, what do you think Justin may come back? And he's like, well, the, the game plan won't change very much. It doesn't matter who's in there. Like, I'm going to do my thing. I'm paraphrasing, but that's literally what he said. And you take into context, Nas, that these guys can't, could, couldn't be any more different. Like, th- there's nothing that they do. Like, you talk about the lack of explosion in his arm. Justin has all the explosion. You talk about the anticipatory or you talk about the sort of quick reads. Bajan has all that. Justin doesn't. Justin holds... I mean, everything about them is, is, is opposite. They probably have, like, like one likes vanilla, one likes chocolate. It's like a type one, type two thing. Like they're just opposite everything. Um, is that not? And and again, if for everyone listening as well, take what you feel about Justin and what you want the Bears to do. Is that not an indictment? Just a huge red flag on Getsy as an offensive play caller. That's ridiculous to me that you would say that. This is gonna be a segment in the show where I, I I'm trying to brace myself and like just calm myself down. Because Getsy might be the biggest fraud in the fucking league. It's a joke. And the fact that he would say that, the arrogance that you could say that with, is just absurd to me. It's like, dude, you had Aaron fucking Rodgers. Like, you, like, and, and this is, this is the dice you roll. Like, this is what you're dealing with when you're bringing up a young coordinator that you think might have something or a quarterback's coach that you're promoting to coordinator where like sometimes they have not dealt with enough situations um, where they've had to make an adjustment in their coaching style. And this is, I mean, the audacity for him to say that is just absurd to me, Um, which this, I I did, I I didn't know how we were going to get to this, but I did want to bring this up from the Saints game. We were playing pretty solid in the first half. We're driving to end the half. We are slowly moving the, uh, the ball up and then it gets under a minute. It's second and nine. We're in Saints territory. And we have all three timeouts. 
And Flus calls a timeout. I'm like, oh my God, they are coaching this young dude. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> like, the, and like, okay, so there's 49 seconds left in the half. We're in their territory. We're probably around like the 40 yard line. Frank, in your opinion, you have a first year quarterback. You're calling a timeout with less than a minute left to get some points on the board before halftime. What do you think, what discussions do you think are happening in the timeout? Like just off the top of your head. Um, in this particular situation, uh, if, I mean, it's, it's, you're talking offensive, we're talking just out routes. We're talking getting out of bounds, right? You're talking about taking, getting chunk plays, thinking about the clock, maybe chunk plays. Don't take a sack. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Right. Don't waste time is the ultimate theme. Don't. Yeah. Don't waste time. It's second and nine. (laughs) And I'm thinking, oh my God. I love this because he's probably like, okay, if you get, if you throw it here, we're going to clock it. If you throw it here, we're going to call timeout. Um, this is, this is going to be the hot route. If you get pressure, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is what we're calling. I was like, this is amazing. Gets he's coaching this guy. And we run a fucking play action and he gets sacked. <laughs> and I was like, this is a microcosm of our season yeah. because there is no one in the building that's thinking we are going to run on this play. Everybody is thinking, okay, they took a timeout because they are going to pass and they have a special, they have a specific group of plays where they're going to throw that they're going to throw at us here. They are not running this ball. There's no way they are running this ball. And what? (laughs) So we ran a play action and Paige is probably, he probably, he does the fake and then he's probably standing with the ball in, in like in proper position for maybe a second and then gets fucking clock and i'm just like what is happening and 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 that moment right there that's a microcosm of of who gets he is like he he sees plays he's not really he doesn't really understand uh scheme or i mean he definitely does more than i do i didn't play i didn't grow up playing football i didn't like uh, my experience is very limited i coach elementary flag football I, i i don't have a heavy resume but even I know for a fact they are not running the ball in that situation. And if I know that, guess what? Cam Jordan knows it too. Yeah, and 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 that's that's like part of my problem. That that's what I always preface and say. Like I'm not trying to act like I'm some expert. Like you you even like you listen to there was a, an awesome question by one of the German reporters to Mike McDaniel uh, when they before they played over there, and he's like breaking down scheme. I don't have that ability. But at the end of the day, if I look at a formation and I know what's coming, just little old fucking Frank from the south side of Chicago, so does every defensive coordinator in the goddamn world. Like, that, that that's inexcusable. It, it, it's so absurd. Yeah, I mean, like, in that moment, the Saints are thinking, okay, if they run it here, we are going to live with it. Yeah. That's probably what they're saying in their timeout. We are go- we are going to try to make a play here. It was that, like, uh, oh, my God. It's I know. Just, just, uh, just absurdity. It's, um, yeah, it, it's... And well, I mean, th- there was another play uh, in which me and you texted in one of the group chats that was also a microcosm. Bajan throws a fucking dime ball. I think it was to Darnell Mooney, like a twenty-something yard chunk play. We're like, all right, we're we're going here. What does Luke Getzey <laughs> draw up the very next play? A fucking double end around. I think it was the Tyler Scott, Tyler Scott yeah, that just gets blown yards. up in the backfield. <laughs> and it's I I I swear to God. He has a self-sabotage clause in his contract. Like anytime we we get forty yards, we've got to go back ten just to prove your worth. Well, it's like it's just it's just straight up proof that Getzy doesn't believe he well he de- he de- he doesn't believe in Page. He's trying. He thinks he's protecting the quarterbacks. 
when he's drawing up those gadget gimmicky fucking plays. He thinks he's protecting them. And that couldn't be further from the truth. You're actually just showing that you don't have faith in them. And it, and it's like, that's supposed to be the leader of the team that like you're trying to reinforce throughout the game. And if, if you're not showing that support that you just fucking believe in them and you keep continuing, like I get it every once in a while. It's like, all right, this is probably something they haven't seen in film. Like we're going to catch them off guard at the right time. It's happening every drive. There's some dumb gimmicky play that has no, that like literally looks like you just like took off the whiteboard under special plays and propped it into whatever <laughs> scheme you were trying to draw up for that week. Like it absolutely. What a joke. I know. Absolutely. Joke. Yeah. It's, it, it's one of those things where, you know, it's, if you want to protect the quarterback, if you want to make sure that he doesn't lose you the game um, and just manages the game, you, it's like, we're, how have you gone so far away from just leaning on the run? You have uh, what was a three-headed monster, which is now just two, but you have two really good running backs that are healthy right now. And, and, and you look at the way that what, when Tev does what he does, Whitehair is a little iffy, but his run blocking is still very good. Lucas Patrick is, is blah, but they're a really good run blocking unit. And mm-hmm. you, I, I, you, you look at the way that when, when Baltimore can't get the pass going, they rely on the run. Gus the bus is out here. He's been in the league for 17 years, Nas. He's still fucking scoring three touchdowns a game when they need him to. Like, you can really lean on fundamental smash mouth football. It's not going to win you a championship. I'm not advocating for the get back to 85, get Ditka. I'm just saying in these moments, in these games, where you're not necessarily comfortable with what you're seeing from your quarterback, lean heavy on the run. And then right. it opens up some misdirection stuff. That opens up some play action fake. That opens up some uh, the RPO. Like, it opens up so much more, to your point, of like now you not not only do you not have to protect him, but now you don't have to worry about him losing the game because it starts to open up way more. It, it's less decision making because even some of these RPOs, I know people are dead set, and it's because of the lack of development from Justin. I get it. Of like, well, get to read three and four. Sometimes you don't have to. Sometimes you can be a one read and go. That's okay every now and then, or, or a one two reads if it's not there, throw it away, or just scramble or run. That can that can work every now and then. Um, and he just has I don't know. He, he he's he's like. I don't know if he's in his own his own head as a play caller or if he's just blatantly inept at things, but something just isn't working there. Yeah, I mean it's it's a misevaluation of the talent is what it comes down to. I am not totally understanding what you have and kind of refusing to give well, like I'm gonna guess, you know, Getsy probably worked really hard to get to the spot. I'm not gonna doubt the guy's work ethic. And so when something has proven correct in your career, it's probably, I would imagine it's hard to adjust or to believe like that's what the issue is. And you need to know what the strength of your team is. And if it's getting proven, I mean, the misevaluation of talent, I mean, Foreman's not even active early in the season. Like he, they don't know what they have and they continuously are giving the ball over a, I think this is a large enough sample size between the Belis Jones, Tyler Scott's of the world, like the refusal to understand, like, that's not us. That's not what we, we don't need to do that. Um, and, and, and that's just kind of like where he's at right now. I think, I think he's probably feeling stuck on some level. I would think because he's feeling like he needs to go to those plays um, and he's also, he, he's not looking at what the roster is showing with like a clear picture in his brain. I, I, I agree. It's also, but it, it's also frustrating though, because then you have like a game or two where you're like, uh Oh, 
maybe he he put it together. And that started last year against the Patriots. They didn't rely on Justin to run at all. You almost forgot he could run. And all of a yeah. sudden, you're like, holy shit. Like this whole RPO, quarterback draw, even quarterback sweeps. Granted, yep. that's not longevity, we but looked, it just showed I mean, his... Fast. We looked quick. That's what I'm saying. Like, it yeah. showed his... And even some of the misdirection he was doing last year, even in some of those losses, like, I mean, the offense... I, I, I know we're way past that. It's, you, you can't really use it for any sort of evaluation purposes at this point, but it felt like some building block stuff that they were doing because you think about the Miami game, you think about... Um, I'm blanking on the other game where they, they scored 30, they outscored an offense, and it was special teams that, that got them beat. <clears throat> but you were seeing stuff that's like, man, maybe Getsy does know what he's doing. Like, I'll, I'll live with that. A rebuilding team giving me 25, 27 a game, and, and the defense is losing, 100%. and that's the best way to rebuild. Absolutely. I mean, it's the same, same thing in baseball. When you're rebuilding, you, you have bums in the bullpen, you let everyone else develop, and they blow the game. We're going to get a high draft pick. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe we got clouded uh, with fields. I mean... Fields was like, I mean, he was covering up a lot of ineptitude yep. with rushing for literally a hundred yards a game. I know, you know, and it, and sometimes you can kind of like, and I think that happens. And Pat Riley speaks about this a lot, like the disease of me, like, and sometimes you can get clouded and you look at the numbers. You're like, Oh shit, did we just put up 300 yards of offense? Like, and you kind of lose sight. You kind you're kind of losing sight of what's actually happening in front of you and, and the why of what's happening in front of you. Um, and you, cause you're looking for, uh, actions of affirmation, things to confirm that you are doing the right thing by your young quarterback, by your young team. Um, and yeah, it, it I mean, going any last season, like, I mean, I bet the over on bears wins this year. I was feeling pretty good. I was like, okay, we're going to take this momentum. We're going to build on it. DJ Moore. Here we go. Draft another lineman. Like we're, we're onto something. And no, no, we're not. <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's somehow, I, I haven't looked at the stats from this season to last season, like, you know, sort of point to point, but I guess it's because of the expectations. And again, like that, that's what like drives me crazy is even like what, what, what you said, like the common sense timeout, what we're doing, like just to be, even be excited about that. How low is our bar that we're like six wins would have been good. Six wins and improve more improvement from Justin continuity with uh offensive play calling and the defense being Lower middle of the pack. Give me at 18 overall, 20 overall. That's improvement. I, I would have yeah. taken that. That was our bar. And somehow it's we're fucking nowhere near it again. We're <laughs> bottom of the barrel. That's absurd. With with, with all the, the the talent that they've I don't want to say act like they have a championship, you know, championship talent, but like they it, the roster improved. On paper, this is an improved roster from last year. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And it's it's gonna the thing is, oh man, and like this is where we I feel like we have been stuck here so many times. It's like, okay, here come like the, the, the roster is about to get better again after this upcoming draft and free agency. And we are going to, we are going to without a doubt, see improvement next year, whether Flus is with us or not, we are going to see it. And we have to be able to evaluate the why and understand is the coach, is the coaching that's occurring on the field? Is that complementing the talent that's on the field? Or is the or is the talent on the field performing despite what the coaching is doing? And it, I mean, it's a hard balance because I don't have a trained enough eye to really know, you know. And like, and I have, uh, I will admit it, I have been fooled many times, thinking like, uh, it's the player, it's the player. Oh no, it's the coach, it's the coach. And it's like, man, I don't know. Like, it, in this particular instance, I am praying 
that we do an overhaul before we acquire all this talent and don't fool ourselves into Flus living out this contract because the matter of the, the fact of the matter is he has proven he cannot lead this group. Yep. He can't. And I think the, the thing for me, again, untrained eye, of course, this is, this is a fan's perspective for those who tune in. You should know this by now, but <clears throat> the, the biggest smoking gun when it comes to that for me in this particular case is no one's improved in a year and a half under on either side of the ball. They were either good already. DJ Moore has always been DJ Moore. Darnell Wright it, was the number yeah. one, or number two tackle come, you know, going into that draft. Jalen's been solid since he's been here. Yeah, and that wasn't their draft pick. He was already here. Yeah. Like guys who were balling were all, you know, were already balling. Like I, I and, and I give Poles some credit for identifying like Andrew Billings. I like the resigning of that. Like he's made some good signings, but in terms of the the coaching staff themselves, they haven't made anyone better. We we knew that Bayless Jones was uh was a raw forty year old prospect that didn't have a route tree, <laughs> <laughs> and and he hasn't gotten any better. Like the the guys who you know, and 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 again, this shouldn't be as big of an indictment. But even thinking of um, why I'm, uh, Dominique Robinson, who was another raw guy, super talented, nothing from him as well. After they cut a couple of defensive ends to end uh, the preseason, so it's like guys who you know have raw talent that weren't necessarily refined aren't improving a bit. As a matter of fact, they've probably regressed, or they're not even getting reps at this point. Like they've been so bad, right. so it's like. That, that to me is a system and a coaching thing versus, and it's not to take the blame off of the players, but at the end of the day, there's, they're, there's, they're not being set up for success. They're not being developed. And that, that, that's, a, that's a system coaching staff problem. 100%. This is, a, this is kind of my issue with uh, your boy Salah, too. Like, <laughs> the guy has always had the equipment. Yep. Like, he's, he's always had elite level talent on the defensive end. I don't can't tell you how many times they cut to him in last night's game, but boy, every time they did, that motherfucker wasn't saying anything. I don't know what he does. Yeah. I really don't. No, can, <laughs> can I can I be completely honest with you, Nas? I I, I don't like or dislike Salah. I, I I thought he was really good in San Fran. A couple good years there. I watched them build. I, obviously, he's helping identify some of that talent with Sauce and and the interior guys that they have, and, and they built a good defense there. But it was just so shocking to me when I was like Nas got a brown dude here let's fucking let's let's do it let's let's get some brown prime and you're just like ah i thought he was overrated in san fran so i've just been on that train ever since just to fuck with you you know who i liked my muslim brother sean desai dude i i knew we needed the whole overhaul but he if there was to keep anyone from that staff he he fucking earned it he did so well as the bears defensive coordinator i agree i mean yeah and clearly we weren't the only ones who noticed i know now he's on a super bowl caliber team killing it and Oh man, just, I, I never thought I would want us to aspire to be the Eagles organization. I really didn't think much of them growing up, but man, they're like the model NFC team right now. Yeah. I mean, hell they, 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 what was it? Four straight NFC championships when we were, when we were younger, they had quite a bit of success. Andy Reid started there as, as the head coach. I mean, he, he was, they had a lot of success. They were fun to watch. Had some TO years, James Thrash. Oh my God. Yeah. Brian Westbrook. Andy Reid. Brian Westbrook, fantasy legend. I know. Love that guy. Very good. Um, Nas, let's... I, I, we have to end the episode with orange jerseys, which we'll get to. Um, but <clears throat> I do want to know the... Because, again, we both agree when Fields is healthy, he should play. Is there anything... I, I guess in, in the same vein that we're talking about, like it really didn't matter what we see from the coaching staff. I think we're both set on them being gone 
are you there yet with Fields, or do you feel like he can do something for the remaining? Why am I confused as to what week it is? Are we in week ten? Week yeah, ten we're approaching for, week 10. for the remaining eight weeks, seven games, eight weeks. Is there anything he can do that that you would be okay? Like let's 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 keep let's going. let him roll into next year to continue the evaluation. I mean, sure, there's something he could do. He would have to, I mean, he'd have to play lights out. Like, but I can't see that happening. I, I really, uh, I think like for, and I can't see that happening with us. I feel like there are other teams around that probably have the infrastructure to take him in and develop him. And I, I think with the right coaching and the right and the um, appropriate system, fields could turn out to be probably pretty good. I just don't think the risk of the and the investment is worth it anymore for the Chicago Bears to keep him around. Um, we are going to be trending really young. Some more, actually, we're already pretty young. We're going to continue that trend with this next year's draft. And I just think when you're when you're already building that young and the contracts are slightly off and you've got to extend the guy when who hasn't really earned it, and then because what what's going to happen? He's going to play. He's going to finish out this year and then we're going to give him another run his fourth year. And then everyone's going to be talking about the fifth year option or an extension the whole time. There's going to be all that noise. And it's like, I, I don't really want to be dealing with that right now. I would rather trade him and then invest in our guys that we've been talking about a lot lately via text and Caleb and Drake. Um, and, and if Shador came out, I would be all in. I, I like that guy. I like the calmness in the pocket. I like the ability to know where the football needs to go. Um, Michael Penix, like you mentioned, the throwing motions a little weird, and Drake's throwing motion. Drake's like, throwing motions, fucking weird. I've been, I've been looking. I mean, I've definitely been peeking at him a little bit more. I don't watch college football that much, but it's a little weird for a guy who's six four. He's kind of got that Herberty sidearm thing happen. Like, I just feel like that's a lot of batted balls happening. Because it's not a quick release. I if know. it was a quick release, I wouldn't really care. Because like Caleb's shorter, but he gets the football effortlessly. It's a flick out. of a wrist. It's literally nothing for the guy. And the way Drake and like people have succeeded with weird throwing motions. I'm just trying to like a, a in my brain. Well, what's less? What's less risk uh, as we approach the draft? And it's without it. It's not close. Yeah, Caleb. Caleb. <laughs> At that, and also, I think something underrated about Caleb is he's not throwing to any superstars on the USC offense, and he, this dude is throwing up points like crazy. Um, but yeah, like effortless thrower of the football when he has time, it looks it looks nice, quiet feet, gets it out, it's nice. And then he's got the Mahomes factor, which I don't think uh, you know a lot of people are saying like, oh, this is Mahomes 2.0. <laughs> I don't think it's that, but like it, it, it's reminiscent of it for sure. Like it, I have no doubt that Caleb has looked at Patrick Mahomes film and implemented that into his game, that spin away game, the throwing on the run. Like he's practicing those throws. That's why it's so dynamite. No, for sure. And I, I I've trolled you about Caleb Williams for weeks now. Um, but because the bears are, could, could potentially be moving on from fields I have taken a look into some tape much earlier than I ever really do because it's, I mean, there's been nothing. I, I was saying this last with the last couple of weeks, like the Bears are at a spot right now where forget winning and losing. These games are so 
atrocious that you there's nothing to even break down. I'm not watching their film all that. It's not like, oh, like if this one play happened, if the guard didn't pull correctly or this, they were on like, it's just like, how do you even evaluate this? It, it, it It's bad. Um, And I'm to the point where I do think Justin can, just like you said, it has to be lights out or I don't even want to say it has to be consistent. That's been his problem. It's just been consistency. His his ceiling is so high. And sometimes it's just like a couple of throws a game where you're like, that's why he was a first round pick right fucking there. And then there's like, <laughs> there, there's these floor moments that need to be raised. Like it can't, you can't. And I, it's, you know, maybe not the best example. But the first one that came to mind, it's like, you know, play before the half. You can't throw a pick to Aiden Hutchinson who's back in coverage. Like, come on. Like you got to raise the floor. Let's throw the ball away. You know what I mean? Like let's, let's, yeah, yeah. let's raise that floor a bit. So to me, it's more about like raising the floor because we've seen his ceiling. We need that consistency to be there a little bit because um, he has the wow factor. He has such physical talent that you almost can't let that blind you at this point where it's like, we know what you are. We know physically what you are. If, if you just stripped away everything around him and just watched him throw the football, you would think he's the best quarterback in the league or one of them because he just has the physical gifts. Um, but the more I've been, I, I brought up the scouting and the watching the college film because I'm not going to lie to you, Nas. If it's not Caleb Williams... Or I haven't looked into Shador. I like what I hear about him. I I, I trust you as well with it. Um, but from everything his dad's saying, that he's not going out until next year. Uh, I watched Drake some Drake May tape. I watched some Penix tape. I, I'm I'm gonna watch um or Penix. I'm I'm gonna watch some JJ McCarthy and uh, there's one more that people keep bringing up. Um, and I'm blanking on who it is. Are people bringing Bonix up to you? <laughs> I, I've seen Bonix. I I not to me. I've seen it on Twitter, and. The only pushback that I have when it comes to Caleb, and maybe it's a semantics thing. Everyone keeps bringing up this generational. Maybe I have to let that go. I, I what what is that even? It's like I don't know what that means exactly. Like I, the the more we've seen these young quarterbacks, it's it's a lottery at the end of the day. Like they have to be able to adjust to the speed of the game. It's he has the physical tools though. Let's not get it twisted. Caleb mm-hmm. has the arm. He has the legs. He has all of that. He has that. Um, but if it's not him, if we don't have the number one. I don't know if I want May, and this has nothing to do, you know, I, I think everyone can probably tell this, but I'm higher on Justin, even still at this point than, than you are, and that's okay. Like We're, we're not debating mm-hmm. a- anything here. It's not, It has nothing even to do with that. I don't know if they're going to be successful pros. They, they they have weird yeah playing styles. And he, even like, my the, the biggest, it's not even necessarily the throwing motion. You touched on my biggest gripe with May thus far. He throws kind of like Tim Tebow through. It's this weird like cockback sidearm thing little, and it's very it's a long. It's weird. It's it's long and it's a little weird. Like it just feels like it's going to cut like for someone who's that bit like like Justin Herbert has the same thing but Justin Herbert's 6'6". Six, six. I know. So it's like he's still throwing from like a general high point even though it's kind of a sidearm. Right. I mean, this guy's six four. Like it's it's. I mean, I looked at a few throws. Like there's a few throws literally coming out of his shoulder. I like, know that's a low ball, man. And like, and I he doesn't see the middle of the field that well either. Like I've noticed, like he is hesitant to pull on those crossers. And I'm like, I'm wondering if he even knows this about himself. Like because of that low trajectory. Like when you throw it over the middle of the line. It could lead. It could lead to some stuff. I mean, and I don't want it to be the end all be all because he's made some amazing throws. The, he's kidding guys in stride. It's cool. It's definitely better than the Mitchell Trubisky. Oh yeah, North Carolina tape. So that's cool. Um, but uh, I mean, from a risk assessment alone, I'll take uh, at this point, just given where the contracts are, 
I think I'm taking Drake. I'm taking Drake a hundred times out of a hundred, just based off of where it aligns the team from a contract situation and not getting stuck in a bad deal. So that that leads me to my only question that I had for you as it pertains to that, because that was my question. Is it just resetting the rookie contract? But there has to be there has to be a balance with it. Let's say the Bears have the fifth pick and the seventh pick. Are we settling for like JJ McCarthy? Is the reset no, that important? No, 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 no. No, I think in my in I think it's Maserati Marv. Okay, best player available if Caleb's not around, and if Drake is still there, we take Drake. Yeah, that's sort of where um, I'm at. I, I mean, I've always been a proponent of best player available. Um, I might even say, I mean, I would be. I mean, if the if the Bears took Drake at two, I wouldn't care. I would be like, okay, I'm in. Let's go. Let's keep it moving. Like. He- and start drafting D linemen, O linemen. Yep. Let's get the trenches sorted out, and let's let's get moving. My, because we have the weapons. We have yeah. we have weapons on the outside um, for Drake to be successful. Like he, we have at least one elite level, uh, elite level talent on the offensive end, and then the rest are they're pretty. They're not they're not the worst skill guys. Like you know, Mooney has had flashes throughout his career. Komet has had flashes. I like Roshan format. Like we, uh, we have a good running back room. Like we can, t- we can turn this into a, a good offense um, with the right with again, like coaching is going to be dependent on all this too. Like I don't want Drake. If, if Getsy and Flus are still around, I know I, I, I'm like, I'm legitimately, I have a feeling that Flus is going to be back. So I've been mentally preparing for it, but I, 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 oh. I, I promise if they bring back Luke Getsy, I'm not, I won't be a, a fan. Like we'll, we'll we'll probably be ending this podcast. Like I can't s- s- talk about yeah. the Bears on a weekly basis. That, that that would be gross negligence. Whether it's sticking with Fields or moving on, because it, it's clear he's 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 inept at his job. He's. I mean, it, yeah. And like I, I I hate being this hard on a coach that's this young. Like he might just not be ready. That's you know, fair. Maybe you know, maybe he needs to take a gig somewhere else and go back to the quarterback room. And maybe, you know, and see if he can gain a little bit more experience and then kind of maybe reevaluate where it went wrong for him here. Um, Cause he's not coaching to his, his player's strengths. He's just yep. not doing it. Uh, definitely not Justin's, you know, Bajent it's clear. He's got to like, get the ball out, like it, pretty straightforward, but to not be able to evaluate Justin properly and do what he does best that like, yeah, that's, that's something he needs to work on. Um, and if he is back, I'm gonna have a tough time watching Bears football. I know I really it's am. it's, or or, or this be, this just becomes like a hate podcast, like legitimately put together low light coaching. I don't know. We'll have to figure out figure out something. Um, the 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 last thing May at two. The only reason, well, one again, I I think I would lean more towards Justin over May. Contract aside, obviously the reset would be great, but just skill set wise, um. But the other thing, and I know this is such a fan thing, and it's so stupid, and I know people are going to laugh and blah. Taking a North Carolina quarterback at number two again, the memes, the yeah. fucking talking heads, <laughs> I don't know if I can go through a full offseason yeah, yeah, yeah. of that. And then I have to sit here yeah. and say, no, actually, May's different. He started for three years, and Mitch was different. Like, I, I just, oh, God, I can't. I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, I mean, it's not great. <laughs> it's not a great situation <laughs> to be in. Um, um, 
but you know, I'm not going to hold, I, you know, it is what it is. Like, yeah. I'm not going to like, yeah, I it just, you got to be able to, to evaluate with an unclouded unbiased head and, and get that best player. I mean, oof, yeah, that, I mean, a North Carolina QB twice in the first round at number two. Yeah. 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 You know what? I I think I blocked all of like the bad memories of Mitch out of my brain that like (laughs) it actually didn't even really cross my mind that like it would be number two again, North Carolina quarterback. Um, Cause I just like, I've forgotten. I have forgotten Mitch. I don't know if like that's how my brain adjusts to trauma uh, from a sports. (laughs) And I just like forgot Mitch existed. Um, but that's, that's how I kind of feel, um, that like, I, I've like already let it go. I'm ready to move on. Like, yeah. let's go reset. Here we go. So th- this is a type type a type B or, or one, two thing, because I'm the exact opposite. I respond to trauma by remembering every little thing. And I don't know if that's like an evolutionary thing of like, you know, ancestors of mine, like needed to do that to like survive. And it's like, all right, we have to remember, but that's how I am. When something like it makes me really upset, I don't fucking forget it. And I'm like, I don't know, even if it's not that crazy of a thing, it's just how it made me feel. And and Mitch made me feel. Uh, so I will never forget. Even, I mean, but I've just had, I've had a traumatic, I, I legitimately, like, I'm surprised, well, I, I went to therapy for a little while, can't afford her anymore, I got two kids. But um, I'm surprised my therapist didn't laugh at me because I told her, I was like, I think I have a lot of trauma stemming from Chicago sports. Like, when I was younger, that was my, it was part of my personality. So when they lost, it cut me fucking deep. Like, you couldn't tell me Jim Miller wasn't going to be the next great one. You know what I mean? You couldn't tell me Rex Grossman. Like I just bought, I was a kid, so I bought into everything. I didn't know how to evaluate. Right. I was just a young, dumb sports fan, but I like internalized it so much. And I just remember it all. Yeah. I mean, there, there is something to be said about Chicago sports sadness and just literally always expecting the bottom to fall out. And I know. It, it, it is, Chicago's I have been so Chicago sports depressed over the last two it's months. So bad, dude. You know, it, it's uh it's been rough. It's been pretty rough. Um, but you know what? We're trying to we're trying to move on a little bit. You know, we got Bedard. What was your reaction to the Craig Council news? Oh, I loved it. That's great. I was I thought that was like, okay, this means we are there's action. There's more action to come. We're making this yep. move. There's more action to come. You think Otani? Here we go. You think Otani's? <laughs> you think he's gonna do it? There's I, I think there's zero shot he comes to Chicago. <sighs> zero. He zero wants to go shot. to the East Coast, right? Is what he said. I I think it's one of the coasts for sure. It, I, I don't I can't see that guy playing no, on it. No one's shown no him way. the coast of Lake Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> um I mean, it would be classic Chicago to sign a guy who's a two-way player who can only play one way the first year, and then probably like we'll shut it down again. It's I know, yeah. I'm no thing. I mean, I love Otani. What he has done for baseball, in my opinion, has been amazing. But and would I say no? No, I would not say no. Right, of course. Do I think we're probably better off from a mental and emotional standpoint for not signing him? Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, I, I will say though, not to make this a baseball podcast. I know the longevity, the stats aren't there. I don't care. He is the greatest player I've seen with my own two eyes. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I couldn't be, I could not be in more of an agreement with yeah, you. This it's is insane. without a doubt the best baseball player. I would, I would me if I like, I would get a tequila on me. I might even say the best athlete I've oh, ever seen in my life. Listen, it's a debate. I mean, it's, it's insane. I know. It's literally, it's truly crazy I mean, what this guy's what been would able to be, do. What would be the football equivalent? It would be an elite quarterback 
in an elite pass rusher? I, I mean, like what? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. Like if they put Cam Cam Newton at defensive end on the Panthers and he just got twelve sacks a year, I, I like, yeah. I mean, I would say it's more like it's more like having like an elite DB. Yeah, I, I don't know. You're like Sauce like Gardner and like a cover, like yeah. I guess it would be like. If it was Jerry Rice on one end and then Deion Sanders on the other end and they were playing both ways. Yeah. Like, that's like truly, truly amazing. Oh my God. No, it's it's absurd. Um, all right, Nas, let's end the pod really quick. Let's talk about Bears, Panthers. I ha- I, you, I feel like usually at this point, I'm seeing more like calculator stuff. Maybe it's we're a little bit early, but it's like if the Bears win, they have this percentage and like should they be rooting for the win or the loss? Like sort of the draft watch thing. And I haven't seen any of that. Have you seen any, like, should we be rooting for the Bears to win this thing? It really hasn't come across anything that I've been looking at. Same. Uh, what, do, what do you actually think we should do? I, so, I, 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 I go back and forth because I think this is one of the only winnable games left for Carolina. They're that bad that I think we just take that away from them. And but the Bears are probably going to win two more after this. That's sort of the problem. And then we're going to depend on Carolina to lose out. Kyler Murray's back for Arizona. That's phenomenal. Um, Caleb Williams 1.0, some people call him. Uh, <laughs> and hopefully he gets them a couple of wins. I, I think we should be rooting for the Bears to win this one. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, the top pick is what's most valuable. Yes. Uh, that, having the top pick and like the eighth pick is more valuable than having the fourth and the sixth in no. my opinion. So I think, yeah, let's try to beat them tomorrow. Uh, try to beat them on Thursday and hope they lose out. And hopefully we get that top pick because at the end of the day, people will always pay King's ransom for something. So let's yep. just say fields really does ball out and we're not going to take Caleb, but we have that first pick and then we, do exactly what we just did with DJ and we trade back again. So, I mean, uh, that, I think that's the most optimal scenario because by having that number one pick, we could always get the same value of players that we would have, if we got stuck with the four or six, this just allows for more flexibility in my opinion. I totally agree. I also have this feeling and I know you like Caleb. I, I think he has all the tools if they have like the third and the fifth, I think they're going to trade. If they, they're dead set on letting Justin go, I think they're going to trade both to get up to number one to get him. And I don't know if I oh love that. Oh my God. Oh my God. That's all. I, not, Nas, I'm a fucking scorned, scarred guy here. I'm thinking of all the negative I, scenarios I, I that just, can happen. I also just feel bad for like the pressure that we have put these young players who come <laughs> to Chicago under. It's just like, it's just absurd. It's like, like who's gonna answer the call because like it's just gonna get worse and worse i know i mean because you have to be the savior i mean like think about what what's happening in houston if cj stroud was having a much more down year they'd be like okay rookie we're getting new coach not much talent but the fact that he's balling out they're just like i i I know texans fans they're just appreciative they're like this is fucking great i don't care if we make the playoffs this is i just they're fun to watch he's balling it's an easy perspective to have when you're only around for 25 years. And this is That's the third fair. Pro Bowl quarterback you've gotten. And we've gotten zero. Wait, well, third? I mean, we have, well, okay. Oh, Matt so, Schaub, right? Schaub, Watson. Watson, yeah, you're right. And so it's just like like a legit dude you could go to the playoffs with. 
I, yep. I said pro bowler, but it's like you could actually get to a pro bowl relatively easily or be a pro bowl alternate if you're Mitch Trubisky. So listen, um, could he, just, <laughs> there could be the argument. Could he be an all pro in the NFC? He keeps this up. I mean, who is like balling in as a quarterback in the NFC? Who, 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 who are the, the leaders right now? Jalen isn't playing great. He's playing good, but I, CJ, I'm just, CJ's in a, is it AFC South? Oh, yeah, you're right. Why the yeah. fuck am I thinking? My brain went to Dallas. I have cause Texas. It's Texas. Right, you're right. Right, right, right. No, he's yeah, not yeah. getting it. He's not getting it. And in, in, now in the, the AFC is a freaking murderer's row. Yeah. Team, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, but if he was in the NFC, it'd be pretty thing. cool though. <laughs> yeah. I, would, yeah, I mean, <laughs> legit, legit. Yeah. Uh, I did want, I had something I wanted to check in with you about maybe bulls related. Have you been have you been checking in on the Bulls at all? I've watched like two full halves. I don't find them enjoyable. They're just not it's it's not even because I hated that they've resigned people and didn't rebuild. It's just a boring team, dude. I, I, I've watched other I'm watching the Celtics when when they come on, on TNT. I've watched Victor Womanyama in San Antonio. It's less about do I think these teams can win championships and more about like their brand of basketball has been very fun. The Bulls are stuck in the mid two thousands, dude. This may as well I mean th- this yeah. is th- they haven't evolved their philosophy. I'm out, I'm in. I know, uh, like it's bad. Even when like Levine's hot, it's still such shitty basketball. It even is. when he's like just throwing it up and it's going in because like it does look really good, but it's like <laughs> this is so dumb. No one else touched the ball. He had fifty-two like, points and zero assists. What are we? What are we doing here? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I just don't. Yeah, and uh, I mean they had a players-only meeting. A game into the a year, game in, and but okay, but this so this is the, and 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 I think this is a good roundabout moment to end the podcast because it's such Chicago sports. We 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 look at when Eberflus is asked a question, the roundabout way he has to answer. I granted, Ryan Poles is very direct. I love that about him. Whether you like him, think he's good at his job, I love that he's direct. But Eberflus does it. Lou Getzi does it. He directs blame to everyone else but himself. And then they ask Zach, "Oh, like what happened at the players only meeting?" and not only does he not answer the question, he refutes that it's a players-only meeting by saying, oh, it wasn't a players-only meeting. The coaches just weren't there. <laughs> what, what do you think a players-only meeting is? <laughs> only players. Zach, what are we doing here, man? Uh, it's like the epitome funny, that we though. just can't get people. I mean, it, it's, it's something that me and Jack have talked about for months at this point where it's like, I don't know what you're doing behind closed doors in terms of accountability, right? Like we'll, we'll, we'll never know that unless they're on HBO's hard knocks and you only get like the, yeah. the, the camera version of it. But the fact, like we've seen great coaches, Tomlin still does it. Bill Belichick does it. You go to basketball, Greg pop. I don't, I hate to say throwing under the bus, but even thinking like what fucking Phil did back in the day with Michael and Kobe, it, it's like, you're almost like poking your bears a little bit, even if it wasn't yeah. their fault, really. But like, we don't even get that. It's just like lack of accountability full stop. There is nothing. There's no remnants of accountability here. Without a doubt. I mean, in the Bulls, it's I mean, it's been a thing. It's been a thing since Derek was here. Yep. When we got Derek. We were so thankful because we won the lottery and he got here. And it's like Chicago's son is back home. And it really felt like we did not want to do anything to upset him. And it was just like it, it has been a theme for a while in Chicago sports of like, catering to these players and not holding anybody accountable. The bulls are as guilty as it as any team yep. in the city without a doubt. Um, and I mean, they, I mean, come, a lot of it comes down to the owners. Oh yeah. I mean, like That's what I was it comes say. from the top down, you got to set a tone. Yep. And 
It's it's okay. You're paying these guys a lot of money. Like if you can look at it one way, like, Oh, that guy's getting paid a lot of money. I'm a coach. I'm getting paid like a fraction of that. Like I'm going to try to tread water here and keep my job. Or you could be like, that guy's making a lot of money. If he's not doing his job, I'm going to let him know that like he's worth, he's worth more of the team if he's doing this. And yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's all about one day that'll happen. I know. I, I mean, it comes down to your leadership skills. Like if you're even in the mindset of thinking this guy makes 10 times what I make, you lost already. Yep. You lost already yep. because Greg Popovich has been in that situation since his, for his whole career. Every other great coach has been in that same exact situation and they don't have these issues. Not, not every coach can be great, granted, but I'm just saying the accountability portion is a big big way you evaluate. Um, Yeah, okay. We're rooting for the Bears. They're going to win 9-3 to on Thursday. It's going to be a glorious like Thursday night where we hear Troy Aikman get drunk and just spew off <laughs> random things. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, Hopefully Justin plays. Again, it's not because uh, you know I'm high on him or, or want him to... Know, fulfill potential that I think he can. It's I, I'm 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 a little over Bajan. I I like I yeah, I know yeah. there's been. I mean I've seen what I need to see. Same like, same. It's like all right. At least at least with uh when you have Justin in there, like there is always that possibility of seeing something spectacular. Yep. Like that that amazing game breaking play, and it's like yeah, I would much rather watch that than Tyson Bajan two three step drops. I don't want to see that shit anymore. Yeah. I'm right there with you. The, oh, I will say too with, with Bajan, someone made a, the funniest fucking tweet I've ever seen. They were like, when he scrambles on his own and like and runs, he looks like Mike Vick, but on RPOs, he looks like Peyton Manning. And I was like, that's <laughs> I, I, I don't get the disconnect there, but it's great. Um, Nas, thank you for joining, man. Uh, unfortunately, again, Jack could not be here. Uh, he will listen and critique us. Oh, we didn't talk about the orange jerseys. The episode's gone too long. Sorry, Jack. You hate him. I, I don't dislike them. It sounds like Nas hates them as well. Yeah, they um, suck. Yeah. I, well, wait, okay. So really quick then. <laughs> do, do you you when we were younger that, that was a different orange right was that not a different shade of orange it was like a more of a burnt orange and i loved it yeah, yeah this yeah, is yeah, a yeah. bright red weird orange and i do agree it is ugly i wasn't in i wasn't in yeah totally agree um well let me share my theory then really quick on jack because my wife brought it up and it was fucking hysterical because she doesn't have her own twitter so she, i'm like she's logged into my account so she just goes and she's like she saw Jack tweet up like hating that they're going to wear the orange again. And she's like, why the fuck does he hate it so much? He never stops about it. Why? And I was like, I don't know. Why do you think he's like, doesn't, and she was like, doesn't he have orange hair? He has like red hair. Why does, why isn't he supportive? And I was like, this could be like a self hate thing. And I wanted to bring this theory to Jack of like, maybe that's oh why you God. hate him so much because you, you're, you're, you're projecting the hate that you have for yourself. So Jack, if you've made it this far into the episode, you, you <laughs> chew on that and we'll talk about it next week. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Frank. Absolutely. Later, everybody.